right. Well, welcome again to our uh, restoration-themed month at Perch.Church. And today we're going to explore the theme of healing. Um, I actually didn't introduce myself earlier. My name is Al, and I'm the pastor of Perch.Church. And during this time of COVID and everything else that's been happening in 2020, I developed a couple strange and totally unproductive uh, hobbies. I don't know about you, but uh, one strange obsession that I have um, that kind of grew more and more during this time um, in 2020 is I have this uh, weird obsession with words. Uh, looking up random words in the dictionary or like uh, I look up words of the day online um, or I explore different etymologies for fun. And I came across this interesting word this past week, uh, acedia. I think that's how you pronounce it, uh, uh, acedia. A friend of mine posted on her social media recently an article that she read regarding this word. And I'll go ahead and share it with you on screen right now as I'm talking. And this word first appeared in ancient Greek, which was the word akedia, which meant uh, carelessness or indifference. The author Homer even used this word in his classic, the Iliad. Greek scholars say that this word is synonymous with even depression. It was later translated and used fairly frequently in Latin throughout the first few centuries. It was understood in Latin as sloth or laziness, and it wasn't used as much since the 7th century in written form, but it came back into popularity in written form uh, shortly after World War II, as you can see on this graph. After the world has seen so much violence, destruction, and evil after two catastrophic world wars, the word uh, became much more popular in books and in articles and in writings. Now, this word captures the feeling of just not wanting to do anything, <laughs> not wanting to do anything at all, just this utter lack of motivation and inspiration. Now, going back to the first few centuries, uh, monks and theologians who lived rec reclusively in the wilderness called Asidia the noonday demon. Okay, that was a nickname for Asidia. The ancient monks called it this because they lived out in the wilderness or the, the desert in huts, tents, or caves. And their nicknames were uh, desert monks because these monks lived out in the wilderness, typically in the desert. And it was between the hours of 11 a.m. and 2 or 3 p.m. that the sun was overhead and it was the hottest time of the day, and they were expected to just stay indoors, uh, pray, or meditate, or do some sort of indoor chores. However, there was this temptation to not want to do anything significant during these hours of the day. They might just veg out, uh, play simple games, or take a nap. And it wasn't merely laziness or sloth. Um, they wouldn't do the things that they were supposed to. And I wonder if this word, acedia, resonates with any of you. I know that it resonates with me because it's not merely just um, laziness or sloth that I'm experiencing. 
It's this utter lack of motivation. And the very things that are good for me, the very things that I'm supposed to do, the very things that I know would be healthy for me, I don't do. Like um, eating healthy or like reconnecting with uh, meaningful relationships or reading scripture. Even reading scripture, even for me, is sometimes is really hard or or um, or praying, you know, spending extended times of prayer. Even for me, I find it like really, really hard to do that these days. And this year, 2020, with all the crap and all the junk that's been happening, it is really taking its toll on everyone. And I think in a few years, we might look back at 2020 and realize how devastating it was maybe to our mental, emotional, physical, and especially our spiritual health in ways that we don't even fully realize yet. We may realize that during this year, we were extremely lonely or we were a lot more anxious than usual or maybe even borderline depressed. But this word that we just looked at, acedia, it seems to capture that depleted, sluggish, and lethargic way that everyone has been feeling this year. But the good news is that this is precisely why Jesus came into the world. Jesus came to fully restore humanity. Jesus came to fully restore you. Jesus came to bring healing and healing is not the same thing as curing. I remember a friend and colleague of mine, um, her name is Bethany McKinney Fox. She said this once during a Zoom meeting and it was like this light bulb came on in my head. It was an epiphany. Healing is not the same as curing. So many times in today's culture, in today's society, we do equate those two things as being the same, but they're not. So today's message is inspired by my friend and colleague, Bethany. Healing is not the same as curing. Jesus did not come to simply cure you. Jesus came to heal you. And healing is not the same as curing. So the question that I want us to reflect on right now throughout this message, but perhaps throughout this week, is to really meditate on this question. How has... 2020 impacted your overall health? How has 2020 impacted your overall health? How has it impacted your mental health? How has this year been kind of driving you crazy, okay? Like in your mind. Uh, I know it has for me. How has this year impacted your physical health? Now, this might be a touchy subject for some of you, but... Um, you know, how has this year impacted your physical health? Have you been getting out of shape lately? <laughs> Have you been neglecting the health of your physical body? Maybe you've uh, neglected exercise. Maybe you've been eating a lot of junk food. Uh, or maybe you're not even taking care of your, your, your hygiene. Uh, that's kind of why I'm wearing glasses today because I fell asleep with my contacts on last night. And so my eyes were extremely dry. Um, how, how are you taking care of your emotional health? Are you more reclusive, anxious, or lonely these days? Have you been sharing with God and people you trust through confession, expression, and recognition as we learned last week? And most importantly, how are you taking care of your physical health?
How has 2020 impacted your physical health? If you're participating in our online worship this morning, that's a great sign that you do, that you do care about your spiritual health. But how are you taking care of your spiritual health Monday through Saturday? This is precisely what today's passage is all about. Uh, we read from earlier Mark chapter 5, verses 21 through 34. And the same story repeats in Matthew chapter 9 and Luke chapter 8. Okay, And when a story repeats multiple times in the four different Gospels, it, it, it shows that it's a really, really important story. Now, one question that a lot of people have regarding the Bible is that why are there four different accounts of Jesus Christ? Well, if you want to get a full picture of what somebody is like, you might want to ask multiple people. Okay, and each person might say a slightly different thing about that person. And this is precisely why we have four different Gospels, four different stories of Jesus Christ from four different perspectives. And Mark, uh, when he wrote his story of Jesus Christ, when he wrote his account of Jesus Christ, he was really focused on the humanity of Jesus Christ. Jesus was also always on the move in the Gospel of Mark, which is why Mark is also the shortest book, uh, the shortest gospel uh, in among the four books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, in today's passage, in today's story, in Mark chapter 5, there are four main characters. All right, There are four main characters in today's story. Obviously, there's Jesus, okay? And he's been going around and doing his ministry for um, over a year now. And his reputation has preceded him. We know this because... There is a large crowd of people who are following him around, right? Which leads us to the second main character of today's story, which is the crowd. Now, I know the crowd is like multiple people, okay? But you could kind of look at them as one main character, all right? Now, among the crowd, it, uh, there are different like subgroups, all right? There, uh, there, among the crowd, there are people who are mere spectators. They wanted to see the show. They wanted to see what Jesus does next, okay? And they were really, really curious about who he was. And then there were some who were mere consumers. They just wanted the benefits of Jesus Christ without actually dedicating their life to him. Maybe they wanted to eat some fish and bread again that he can whip up, okay? Maybe they wanted to see him turn water into wine and they really wanted to taste what that wine tasted like, okay? Uh, or, and then there's the other subgroup of people among the crowd who were dedicated followers. Okay? These were the wholehearted disciples. They were willing to obey his teaching. They were willing to follow Jesus' example of love, compassion, and grace. All right, So that's the second main character, the crowd. So we have Jesus, and then we have the crowd. And now we have individual characters like Jairus. Jairus was a synagogue leader. Okay, which meant that he had money, he had influence, he had prestige, and he had education. But he's also a loving father. He had a family that he loved deeply. So he went to find Jesus. He fought through the crowd, and he fell at Jesus' feet to plead with him, as we could see in verses 22 and 23. Even though... He was a person of high esteem. In Jesus' presence, he was like any other commoner. Jesus had such compassion on him, just as he would uh, a, a poor uh, 
disabled nobody. All right? So it's pretty amazing that in the presence of Jesus, whether you're rich or poor, healthy or unhealthy, uh, young or old, we're all the same in Jesus' eyes, right? Which leads us to the final and most important character of today's passage, which is the bleeding woman. Now, we don't really know much about this woman, but we know that she was a Jew living in first century Palestine. And she had to live as a recluse because she was prohibited from interacting with her family and friends because of her physical condition. We're not exactly sure what this woman's condition was, but we do know that it's significant enough to make her considered to be ceremonially unclean. Some biblical scholars presume her condition may be related to some sort of irregularity with her menstruation because according to Jewish law, a woman who is undergoing menstruation is uh, to remain at home and she is prohibited from going to public uh, places. Most significantly, the temple. So she couldn't even worship at the temple. Um, And so this is how we know that she is Jewish because she abided by this law of being considered ceremonially unclean, which was a Jewish law. And this is mainly because a big reason for this is because this was the first century and like they didn't have access to like feminine hygiene products that we have today. So unfortunately for this woman, whatever her condition was, it was enough to make her ceremonially unclean and it was enough to ostracize her from her Jewish community that she loved so much and she was disconnected to. So she was heavily motivated to seek after Jesus, not just for her physical condition, not just for curing her physical condition, but uh, to fix her social and even religious isolation that she's been experiencing. Now, this may seem kind of strange, but I'm sure that many of us can actually relate with what this woman might be going through. 2020 has caused many of us to feel uh, more isolated, more lonely, and even maybe oppressed than we have ever felt before. Now, imagine the life that this woman has been living for the past 12 years. 12 years. What we have been feeling just a little bit in 2020, this woman has been living with for many, many years. So this woman, feeling desperate, she's at the end of her rope. She spent all her money on trying to get healed, but only to find it getting worse and worse. She sought after Jesus to cure her of her condition. But what Jesus gave her in return was so much more than she could have ever imagined. She came to Jesus seeking to be cured, but instead she found utter and complete healing. Now, as I shared earlier, healing is not the same as curing, but how are they different? And by looking at the differences between healing and curing, we could really find uh, healing for ourselves. For starters, Curing is usually passive, while healing is always active. Curing is usually passive, while healing is always active. 
In curing an injury, disease, or a condition, patients usually have to rely on their medical professionals. Maybe uh, we lie down on an operating table, just putting our, all our trust in the hands of the surgeon or the doctor. Maybe we take a few pills a day, putting our trust in the pharmacist who gives us these pills. Or maybe we rest and wait until our temperature goes down. These are all relatively passive activities, right? Healing, on the other hand, healing, on the other hand, requires effort. It requires participation on our part. So when this woman fought through the crowd, okay, she heard that Jesus was in town, right? And there was this big crowd of people surrounding Jesus. She had to actively pursue Jesus. She fought through this crowd and she believed that if she touched Jesus's clothes, that she would be cured of her ailment. So as soon as she did this, she, Jesus realized that like something happened, okay? Um, and it's not, it's not as if like Jesus was like uh, this like magical genie and he has no control over like what's happening, okay? He, he knew what was happening, okay? He felt the power uh, go out of him and like cure this woman. Jesus asked, who touched me? As soon as this happened, he, he knew that some, something like someone had touched him, right? He asked, who touched me? And there was something about his voice that compelled her. She sought after Jesus. She fought through the crowd and she touched him and she got what she wanted. She really got what she wanted. She was cured of her condition. But there was something about Jesus' voice that compelled her. Jesus sought her out. Okay? Jesus sought her out and he was waiting for her to seek him out. Okay, Jesus wasn't stupid, okay? He wasn't clueless. All right. He he knew what happened, right? He felt it, but also like, you know, he was the son of God, right? So uh, it's not like it was a big mystery. But really when he was asking, who touched me? Um when he, he, was, he was looking for the person who, who touched his clothes, he was really inviting this woman to respond to him and to seek him out. What's really interesting about um, two of the main characters that I mentioned earlier, Jairus and the bleeding woman, is that they are almost like complete opposites of each other. Jairus is a man. This uh, person with the condition is a woman. Jairus is highly respected in his community. This woman was considered to be unclean, right? And so she had to live as a recluse. Uh, Jairus was well-known in his community, okay? We, we know who Jairus is. He was the synagogue leader, and we know his name. We don't even know this woman's name. But in the presence of Jesus, it doesn't matter what their social status is. We are all the same in the eyes of Jesus. And Jairus was this wealthy, educated, like, respected man and Jesus had compassion on him this woman she was poor she was desolate she was an outcast and Jesus was compassionate on her and just as this man Jairus and the woman had to fight through the crowd to get to Jesus's presence it, it shows us that healing is not passive okay in, in order for us to uh, experience healing 
it's not a passive activity. In, faith is not a passive activity. Belief, on the other hand, is. Belief is a passive activity. And belief and faith are not the same thing. Belief in Jesus Christ is not the same as having faith in Jesus Christ. Faith requires our involvement. Faith demands that we seek after God. Faith expects us to put in the effort. Just because God gives us grace doesn't mean uh, God doesn't expect us to put the effort into seeking after Him. Belief, on the other hand, is simply knowledge that requires very little to no effort. The other aspect of curing and healing is this. Curing is physical, while healing is holistic. Curing is physical, while healing is holistic. Curing is usually a one-dimensional response to a singular problem. Healing, on the other hand, brings wholeness or completeness to the entire person. Okay? Curing is usually one-dimensional, while healing is three-dimensional or, or multi-dimensional. This is why Jesus sought after this woman. It wasn't enough for Jesus simply to cure her body. He wanted to see Jesus, or he wanted to see this woman fully restored. Okay, not just her physical health, but he wanted to see this woman reconnect with her family. He wanted to see this woman worshiping God in the temple. He wanted to see this woman succeed in her career or her um, family life or her social life. And he wanted to see this woman do good in the community and, and be physically healthy. Okay? It's, it's not that he didn't care about her physical health. It's that he cared about her physical health and her social health and her spiritual health and her mental health and her emotional health. This is what's so beautiful about having faith in Jesus Christ. It's not just one-dimensional. Okay? It's multi-dimensional. God wants you to be whole, to be complete. This is exactly why later on in Mark chapter 12, when a group of religious leaders approached Jesus and asked him, what is the greatest commandment in all of God's laws? Jesus responded by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, with your entire being. God doesn't want us to just give us relief in one area, okay? He wants to make us complete, and He wants to bring healing to our entire being. Now, um, one struggle that I have, okay, I'm just going to totally be honest with you and confess this in public. This is being recorded, and like, uh, um, <laughs> and I'm kind of like maybe shooting myself in the foot here, but one thing that I struggle with is um, judging people. I have a tendency to judge people pretty hard. I'm going to angle this a little bit because the sun is pretty bright. Um, now, I don't know if anyone else struggles with this, but I have a tendency to like judge people pretty hard, okay? Um, and I can't help <laughs> Sorry, I can't help it. But 
the type of people that I judge a lot these days are people who are very, very accomplished in one area of their life and totally neglect every other aspect of, of their lives. Okay. I don't know if you know anyone who's like this. All right. But you, you probably do. Okay. They might have a very, very successful career. Maybe they have like thousands of followers on their social media. Maybe they make a lot of money or maybe they were born into a family with a lot of money. Maybe they're like physically fit. Maybe they're like extremely in shape, right? But because they're so accomplished in one area, they totally neglect every other area of their lives. Maybe they're a very successful doctor or surgeon and uh, they're a completely bad father or something, okay? Uh, maybe they have like thousands of followers on social media, but they're just like the most selfish and like horrible <laughs> human being, okay? Maybe they make a lot of money, but they're extremely greedy and they are totally like not caring for anyone else, okay? Maybe they're like extremely physically fit, but that also means that they're very, very vain and they kind of look down on everyone who is not physically fit. There is something deeply wrong with that in today's society. I think, and, and maybe a, a lot of it has to do with uh, the internet or social media, but like because people might be accomplished in one area, that's all they portray of themselves. And that's all, that's the only mask that they wear. And behind that mask, we don't see their brokenness. We don't see their like um, lack of health in relationships. We don't see their uh, lack of spiritual health or maybe like emotional health, right? And there's a, it's really, really easy to deceive other people into thinking that your whole life is great when only you're portraying that one part of yourself, okay? And it's really, really dangerous. And Jesus came not just to bring uh, goodness into just one aspect of your life. He wants your entire life to be healthy, right? Jesus didn't come to just bring relief, right? He wants us to be complete and whole human beings, which brings me to the last difference between curing and healing. Curing brings relief, while healing brings peace. Curing brings relief, while healing brings peace. Let's look at the last few verses of today's passage, which are verses 32 through 34. But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it or who had touched him. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This woman, um, when Jesus was asking who touched her, uh, to who touched him, she, she could have just ran away, right? But something about him like compelled her to stay. Something about his voice, right? Something about the way that he was asking just compelled her. And this woman was afraid that she might be in trouble. She was afraid that she was caught and that she was going to be disciplined. And why wouldn't she feel afraid? For 12 years, She's experienced nothing but rejection, ridicule, and pain. She probably sought 
or she did seek help from physicians and priests many times, either to be turned away or for have to have them like take advantage of her and just to steal her money. And instead of being confronted with judgment, she was embraced with love and grace. And this is what God does for us. When we feel like we should be rejected or disciplined or judged or turned away, God embraces us. And we know this because the first word that Jesus uses when he speaks to this woman is daughter. The first thing that Jesus calls this woman is daughter. Now, presumably, this woman could have been older than Jesus. Jesus was either 30 or 31 at the time, and this woman had been suffering for 12 years of her adulthood. But Jesus calls her daughter not because of her age, but because he is reminding her that she is a child of God. He is reminding her that she is a child of God. So the first word that comes out of his mouth towards this woman is a word of restoration confirming her identity in God, that she, in fact, is God's daughter. And there are three other words in Jesus' response to this woman that's very significant, okay? Heal. In uh, Jesus' response in verse 34, um, he said, your faith has healed you. And what re really what he's talking about uh, is that he... His, uh, her faith in Jesus healed her entire being, not just her body, but her mind, her heart, and her spirit. In verse 29, it's really just talking about physically curing her. But when Jesus responded to this woman in verse 34, he said, your faith has healed you. Not your belief, your faith. Her belief cured her of her physical condition. But her faith in Jesus Christ healed her entire being and it gave her peace, right? This is why Jesus said to her, go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, freed, that could also be translated as saved. Be saved from your affliction or your suffering. Go in peace. She doesn't have to worry about not just her physical condition, but the social isolation that she's been feeling, the emotional pain that she's been feeling, the spiritual deprivation that she has been feeling for the past 12 years, and even the mental health issues that she was experiencing as a result of her physical condition. And the same message that Jesus gave to this woman is the same thing that Jesus wants to say to you. He wants you to be healed. He wants you to go in peace and he wants you to be freed from your affliction, from your suffering. So this is my challenge for all of us this week, okay? And this is also my challenge for myself too because I'm not the greatest at this, okay? And I'm learning along with you as we're going through this because this year, oh man, it's been so hard, right? And so um, this is a challenge for all of us, okay? Show yourself some TLC. <laughs> Show yourself some TLC. 
It's a uh, tender loving care, yes, for sure, okay? But uh, really, TLC is like three things, all right? Take notice of your body. Take notice of your body. Take, take notice of what's going on in your mind, in your, in your heart, and in your body. Uh, pay attention to what's going on with yourself, all right? And L, which is lean into relationships. Lean into meaningful relationships. Just as we learned last week, we reveal to heal through confession, expression, and recognition, right? But we share with God and we share with people that we trust. Lean into those meaningful relationships. And lastly, connect with God daily. Yes, this could definitely be in the form of prayer or scripture reading, but it, all, it could also be like going on a peaceful walk by yourself, right? And maybe just intermittently like connecting with God here and there, like throughout your prayer. Or maybe it could be, I don't know, like coloring in your coloring book. And as you're doing that, it could be a form of meditation. It could be writing in your journal. It could be writing a prayer in your journal or it could be um, just writing in your journal, right? So practice some TLC today or this week. Show yourself some TLC. Take notice of your body. Lean into meaningful relationships, which is part of the reason why we're starting these like small groups, these neighborhood small groups, is to help foster these meaningful relationships and connect with God daily. Let's pray. Lord, as we try to navigate through this very, very difficult year, you are reminding us that it is that much more important to rely on you. And I thank you that while the world can promise us temporary relief or one-dimensional satisfaction, Lord, you promise us completeness and wholeness. Lord, you promise us peace as long as we actively pursue you. This world might want us to be mere consumers just to lay back and to just consume uh, passively. But Lord, you ask us to get involved in our faith, to actively pursue you in our relationship with you. So Lord, as we do that, would you, would you make us more whole? Would you make us complete? And would you give us peace, Lord, in our mind, in our heart, in our body, and most of all, in our spirits? We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Have a blessed week, everybody.